Hello and welcome to Here Read This, where my wife and I make each other read books we normally wouldn't read. I'm Matt, I majored in journalism, I write emails at work almost every day, and was a gold medalist in my third grade reading Olympics, having read over 4,000 pages. Very impressive. And I'm Stephanie, I'm the author of the Extraction series, a YA sci-fi trilogy you can read about at my website, stephaniediasbooks.com. I'm also a book editor, so yeah, I pretty much just read and write books all day, and it's totally awesome. Books are one of the things that brought Matt and I together, and now that we're married, we thought it would be fun to help push each other out of our reading comfort zone, so to speak. So let's get started. For this episode, I had Stephanie read Winter Men by Jesper Boog Kold. He's a Danish author, and it's actually translated from Danish. Cool. And I had Matt read The Golden Compass by Philip Pullman. Let's talk about Winter Men first. So like I said, Winter Men is written by a Danish author. It was published in 2014. It was actually his debut novel. Uh, it is a story that follows World War II from the perspective of Nazis. And the summary on Goodreads is as follows. As the dark specter of the Nazis settle over Germany, two wealthy and educated brothers are suddenly thrust into the rising tide of war. Karl, a former soldier and successful businessman, dutifully answers the call to defend his country, while a contemplative academic, Gerard, is coerced into informing for the Gestapo. Soon the brothers are serving in the SS, and as Hitler's hateful agenda brings about unspeakable atrocities, they find themselves with innocent blood on their hands. So Matt, why did you choose this book for me to read? Mostly because it was so cheery and happy and uplifting. Oh, it totally was. <laughs> Thank you for that. It is, in fact, none of those things. I chose it because I initially read it because it's a historical fiction book. And growing up in America, you absorb history from the perspective of America, right? So yeah. for us, like World War II was a very distant thing that happened that we came in kind of at the last minute and, and saved the day. And so I thought it would be interesting to read like how other people experienced World War II. And so that is why I chose it for you. And I also knew you read historical fiction books already. Yeah. So it wasn't completely out of your realm of something you'd like. Yeah, for sure. So what was your first impression of the book and what were your expectations going into it? Well, going into it, I honestly didn't know that much about what it was about. I didn't process if you told me that it was about World War II. So as a result, I'm sure you remember when I was reading kind of the first 50 pages, I think, it was pretty slow for me. It took a while for me to get into. I, I was struggling to see where it was going. I'd figured out the time period, but to me it was hazy who the protagonists were, why I should care about them, that sort of thing. And it was around page 50 that I started getting a lot more invested because it became clear what was going to happen to these two brothers, what their parts were going to be in the war, and yeah, it just got more interesting. So we can't really spoil what happened in the book because the war happened 40, <laughs> Everyone 50 knows years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we won't tell you what happened to the characters. And this book was difficult because compared to some of the other books we've talked about, the two books we talked about in the first episode and the book we're going to talk about uh, later, it's a really heavy book and, and nothing is fun about it. There's right? no like, humor. It, like yeah, there's no all. humor. It's not you know, glorifying Nazis and saying, oh, Nazis are great and look at how awesome the war was. It was really the opposite of that and kind of highlighting the decisions normal Germans had to make, right? Because sitting here now, 
we can unequivocally say Nazis are bad and they what they did was awful. And, you know, you hear a lot about how, oh, yeah, if I was in that situation, I just would have said, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's awful. Would have had no part in yeah. it. No, I'm not killing a group of people just because a book they read, really, a book they read, and and a belief system they follow. Um, but this book really kind of tells you like how that isn't really realistic in a in a in a normal setting, right? Like it's easy for me to sit here now and say, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to join the military and like be in World War Three or whatever. But you know, that's not a thing that's happening. So it's not really a choice I have to make. So I think that was interesting. So the big thing we're going to talk about is kind of the morality of the protagonists. Because you see that a lot, especially if you looked at when President Trump was first elected. Like that first couple of weeks, even the first month or two, it seemed like every weekend there's a different protest about something, right? Mm-hmm. But now I couldn't tell you that like, like it hasn't continued right but at the start everybody was so against president trump and people still are and people but still now are it's more, sure it's more talk than action it's, and and everybody kind of went back to what they were doing like they kind of went back to their normal lives because mm-hmm. in a sense it isn't practical to be able to like have that much commitment all the time because you got to provide for your family yeah, and this book was super interesting um, and very different than most I've ever read because the protagonists, basically there's nothing good about them. Um, they, you know, you see them making these really difficult decisions and you you kind of understand why they're doing it um, because in a sense, the only other choice is is extreme, you know, it's, it's, it's an extreme reaction. It's having to put yourself... Uh, put put your life at risk to and, save and, other and, people in a very inconvenient position too. Yeah, like you know, you're either these guys are either going to be like sent into the concentration camps. One of the characters is actually threatened um, that that's going to happen to him unless he joins up with the Gestapo, and that's what initially sets him on the course to doing that. And um, you know, throughout the book, these characters, these guys are constantly talking about how you know they're the good ones they they don't believe what all the other nazis do they're they, always trying to justify it too yeah they had they have jewish friends and they yeah they're, they're not against jews at all that's what they keep saying but then there's this one really pivotal scene where one of the characters gerard um he's actually like helping he's he's helped uh, figure out how jews are going to be taken to concentration camps essentially that's what his job becomes at a certain point and he's on this platform and the Jews are boarding um, this train and he runs into someone that he used to know. And and he's kind of, you know, like, oh, gosh, hey, like, I'm so glad you're OK. And then the guy asks him, you know, can you help me? And he's like, oh, no, there's nothing I can do. I'm so sorry. And, um, you know, it's it's an apology that totally falls flat because there's really plenty he could have done. He was just never brave enough. And and he knows this throughout the book. He he constantly says, you know, I don't have that much courage. I I'm, I wasn't <laughs> meant for this. I'm too weak or whatnot. But yeah, like he's he's never a good guy, even when he thinks he is. And that's what makes it such a hard book to read. Um, one that's really important in today's day and age where we're still dealing with things, you know, with the the attack just happened the other day where a bunch of Jews were killed in their um, in their sanctuary and and you know there's racism still happening all these things happening and so many people talk about it and say you know that they're against it but not all of us are actually doing something about it and it was interesting too because the same character there was a point in the book where he was kind of 
applauded for being very good at his job. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of, he had this moment of being proud. He goes, I was, I was able to make the trains that much more efficient. Yeah. And then he pauses and reflects and realizes the trains he made efficient are the trains that are taking the Jews to concentration camps. Yeah. And so there is this moment of like, ah, I did my job well. And then he stops and goes, oh, wait. That's awful. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's dehumanizing them essentially and not thinking about the humanity because it would make it that much harder. Um, yeah. yeah. And we talk about how it's it's definitely not a book at the end. All the, the character storylines wraps up. But like you said, you don't ever, you're not, it's an interesting book to read because usually you have a, a, a character that becomes your favorite yeah. and like you're rooting for this character, but at no point are you rooting for either characters. No, it's just constantly like, wow, you know, this is going to get worse and you know, they aren't even describing all of the horrors because none of the characters are Jewish. So you aren't getting that viewpoint. You're only getting the, the viewpoint of the people who were okay. Like they came out on top kind of because they... Because they joined up, because they didn't, they didn't uh, make a stand. And having read the book, would you recommend it? Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I think this book is not for everyone, and I don't think that all of us need to read it. Essentially, because because <laughs> it is hard. It's it's hard to read it, and um, you know, in this day and age, a lot of us know what happened in the Holocaust. It's not like we need to remember. Um, but at the same time, it's. It's a type of book that if um, if you can bring yourself to read it, you will learn and it will make you think about yourself and how you are acting in this day and age and how you would react in that kind of a situation and hopefully encourage you to try harder and um, do more stuff. But um, Yeah, I think more than anything, it's, it's a perspective-shifting book. Yeah. Um, because like I said, our schooling was, you know, you learned about the war in a very specific way. And you know the Holocaust was awful and the Nazis are bad, but then this kind of like adds nuance to that idea mm-hmm. and how, you know, people are inherently flawed and in general are very weak willed. Like even people that say, oh, I'm very strong willed, which, you know, you could argue one or both of the characters had some level of strong willedness. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they weren't at all. Like they were very weak and timid characters. Yeah. So it's definitely not a. It's not a. If you're looking for a fun like pick me up, it's not the book for you. But if you're looking for a different perspective on war, then I think it's a really good book to read. Mm-hmm. And I also want to mention um, another book that I've read uh, that was similar to this in some respects. It's also about World War Two. It's it's a YA as well. So it's a little bit. Easier, easier to get into the subject matter if you're wanting to learn more about World War II, and it's called Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wine. Um, it's it's just as harrowing as this book. The thing that makes it better is that you can root for the protagonists. They are they are the good guys, and they end up um, you know trapped in a concentration camp. It's it's an excellent book. Before we start talking about the Golden Compass, I want to remind you that if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear them and use them for our next episode. You can either call and leave a message at 442-500-4606, or if you're listening to this podcast through the Anchor app, which is available through the iTunes App Store and Google Play Store, you can leave a message in the app by pressing the Leave a Message button in the upper right-hand corner of the Here Read This page, or while listening to this episode in the bottom left corner of the screen. 
and be sure to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. Okay, now let's talk about The Golden Compass, the book I made Matt read for this episode. The Golden Compass is a YA fantasy novel by Philip Pullman. It was originally published in 1995. It's the first in a trilogy, and it follows a young girl named Lyra who lives in Oxford. In the story, Lyra is rushing to the cold far north, where witch clans and armored bears rule. North, where the gobblers take the children they steal, including her friend Roger. North, where her fearsome uncle Asriel is trying to build a bridge to a parallel world. Can one small girl make a difference in such great and terrible endeavors? Lyra is a savage, a schemer, a liar, and as fierce and true a champion as Roger or Asriel could want. But what Lyra doesn't know is that to help one of them will be to betray the other. The Golden Compass is the first book in a trilogy, and it's currently being made into a BBC television series. So why did you choose this book for me to read? You always say you don't really like reading fantasy books, but then I know you love Harry Potter, so I set out to find a similar type of fantasy novel that I hoped you would enjoy and that would challenge your opinions about what kind of books you like, because not every fantasy book is inspired by medieval times. So, so we, we've talked about this, and... I was as I was reading this book, I was thinking more about what I liked about fantasy, and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect." On the podcast, I'm going to explain <laughs> what I like about what aspects of fantasy I like, and then I realized it was just I just don't like some fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like particular kinds. But yeah, yeah. So now that you've read it, what was your first impression of the book? What were you expecting going into it? I liked it. It was enjoyable. I didn't know what to expect going in. I didn't really, I like to not really have any expectations other than looking at the cover and like just starting to read it because I don't want to get in that negative or pot. Like I want to read it as it is without having any kind of outside influence on it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. And it is a fantasy book that I, the style and story is the fantasy book that I like. Yeah, see, and this is what I want to talk about next, because, you know, I think it's really important to make a distinction for other readers as well who might not know this, that fantasy, there's lots of different kinds of it. You've got high fantasy, which people always think of like Lord of the Rings, which is very medieval, Europe-inspired, but nowadays, high fantasy is also a lot more diverse. There's books like Children of Blood and Bone, which is inspired by Africa, so... You have high fantasy, which is, like, not set in the real world. And then you have books like The Golden Compass, which is more or less set in the real world. It's technically a parallel one. But, you know, it's this type – it's Oxford. It's it's a Europe that you know and – Yeah, so and that's why I like. So for me, for a fantasy book, if it's not set on this world or, like, a facsimile of this world, mm-hmm. then I'm not a huge fan of it. But – Except for mine, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, of, of course, totally. Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> love your books, babe. They're awesome. I love you. <laughs> but the books, the fantasy books that I really like and really enjoy, mm-hmm. and like, like, to your point, there's always exceptions to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> but in general, I like books that are on this world that I can relate to. And to your point, okay, sure, it can be in an alternative universe, but there was real places they visited. Mm-hmm. They were in Oxford, and then they ended up in Russia. Or Sweden, Russia. Yeah, it's like Svalbard. Yeah, Svalbard yeah. is in Russia. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, how did you feel about the fantasy elements of the book? I liked it. So there's like witches and yeah, bears and that talk. And, um, 
So I think you kind of mentioned Harry Potter earlier, and I'm going to regret saying this, but for me, this book felt like a Harry Potter book. Yeah. Like, if you, I feel like if you like Harry Potter and you like the mixture of fantasy elements in that book, you will like The Golden Compass. And that's why I liked the book, is because it felt like Harry Potter. You were in the real world, but then there was bears that talked and were awesome, and there was witches. Mm-hmm. And you had, and there was demons. Yeah. So just to kind of point it out for everyone, all the characters in the book have kind of like it's like an animal companion, but it's a part of your soul, and it's called a demon. Yeah. yeah so like Hedwig awesome. or Scabbers or the Hermione's cat, Crookshanks. Crookshanks. So let's talk about Lyra. She is such a cool heroine, in my opinion. She's one of those characters I always wanted to be when I was younger. What did you think of her? Actually, she was one of the elements of the story that I really liked. And if we're going to continue the Harry Potter tie-in. <laughs> she's like Hermione. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I feel like she's a mix of like Harry okay, and yeah. Hermione. Yeah, I guess she's much more rebellious. Yeah, she's much more hairy, but she's not. She's a little smarter than Harry too. Yeah. So I actually really liked her because she wasn't. She was a well-written character, and she didn't fall into some of like the stereotypical tropes mm-hmm. of what her character should be, which is why the book is so successful. She's a very well-rounded character that had a lot of interesting things, like, and she had flaws too. And she also had strengths, but I think they were all, like, well-balanced and, like, well-thought-out. You didn't think, like, oh, well, of course she can't do that because then that would make the story too easy, right? It yeah. all felt very natural. And, like, you felt this growth and evolution of her from, like, just a orphan kind of at a mm-hmm. religious college all the way up to her going on this big, huge journey where she really grows into a, a woman mm-hmm. or a young woman. Yeah, and I know you wanted to talk about the alethiometer. So the book is called The Golden Compass. There is a golden compass in the book. Um, Lyra is the one who can read it. It's a, it's kind of like a, well, it's a compass with images around it. And she's one of the rare people who can read it and know what it's trying to say. So this was one of my examples of how I felt that the book uses kind of the typical elements, but then avoided the like the pitfalls, the stereotypical pitfalls. And to me, when I was reading it, I initially thought of the compass that Jack Sparrow has in Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) But in Pirates of the Caribbean, all he has to do is think of what he wants and it points to what he wants. Right. And the golden compass, it's kind of the same idea, but it's like not, it's very, it's more more complex (laughs) and deeper than that. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed it because like, it's a very interesting concept of having this like magical device that can help you. But instead of it just being like, oh, she thought of like this thing she wants and like, oh, we go this direction. There's like levels to her being able to use this device mm-hmm. and, and help her succeed in her journey. Yeah, there's like a limited number of images on the compass, but they all there's like an infinite amount of answer yeah. questions you can ask and answers you can get. And, and it's like and really it's it's almost you she develops a connection with it to where it's almost becomes like part of her in a sense to where in her head, she thinks of the questions and then it shows her images and then her brain then interprets those images into like the answer. And it's fascinating because sometimes she gets the answers 
right. Sometimes she hits them wrong. Sometimes she misinterprets them. So like, yeah. it's it's a very it's it was so refreshingly like nuanced where you just didn't have this. Where it's like, okay, well she had she figured out how to use the thing to solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> it was like even as she went, she grew into it, and even at the very end of the book, she was still mm-hmm. learning about it and her. Yeah, her journey is not over because there are sequels. So would you recommend this book? Yes. I enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. It was good. I mean, it's awesome. I feel like a lot of people have read these books. These are not, like, obscure novels. And, and just the, but, the diversity yeah. in characters, like I talked about earlier, but there was a bear, a talking bear, who is a pivotal part of this book. And, and there was witches. Awesome. And there was gypsies. <laughs> and, like, it was just, yeah, it was, it was so, it was such, like, a finely balanced book of, like, Everything just felt right reading it from the different characters, from the diversity of the characters to the storylines. Nothing ever felt like, oh, well, of course, now we're at this point. Mm -hmm. It was always kind of like, oh, okay, that makes sense and is interesting. (laughs) Now what's going to happen? Yeah. And would you read the sequels? Yeah, I would. But again, it's – I say yes, but then again, I have the problem of having a backlog of books to read. (laughs) So I'm not sure the sequels would jump to the top of that list. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, having read the sequels, the next one, The Subtle Knife, is very good. The third one, The Amber Spyglass, I have some issues with, and I feel like a lot of people do, but um, eventually you'll have to read it and we can discuss it. Oh, and most importantly, my final question about the book, what would your demon be? A bird. Interesting. What kind of bird? I feel like a falcon or something. Yeah, I was like a falcon or an eagle. Yeah. Or like even even like a seagull. Hmm. Because I feel like this seagull is very unassuming, but then it like it would kinda of, kinda of surprise like it could surprise you, right? Yeah, interesting. I but like- I, I definitely think a bird. My first thought when you asked me I was a bird. Okay. So I don't mine, know why. I feel like mine would be a bear or something. I wanna say a sea lion, but then the problem with that is that I would be stuck at sea and I get seasick. So <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. That would suck. <laughs> I mean, I definitely would want to be friends with one of the bears. Oh yeah. But they aren't demons. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I know, but I would only be <laughs> pals with one, you know? Oh yeah. 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> All right. So that was episode two. We have two more book recommendations for you. Both. We still a hundred percent record in terms of recommending that you read them. Yeah. So we'll see if we'll see if we can keep that going. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a good streak so far. Yeah, we so know each other well. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, what books? What book are you gonna make me read next? I'm going to make you read a YA sci-fi called "The Knife of Never Letting Go" by Patrick Ness. It's one of my all-time favorite books. So yeah, I'm excited to make you read it finally. <laughs> I'm going a little. I'm going a full left turn here on you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna have you be reading. Uh, have you read a middle grade? science fiction fantasy book which you told me science fiction fantasy isn't a thing but not really but it's on wikipedia and i very much agree with their decision to call it that uh it is called artemis fowl uh by owen colfer an irish author so i I don't know what's going on with my selections maybe (laughs) i'll get back to america sometime in the next couple episodes and it's the first book in an eight book series and this is a book that i actually first read when it came out in 2001 I know, and I remember when it came out. So, yeah, it was at least, I mean, I don't know when exactly I read it, but I've, it was at least a decade ago I, I read it. Yeah. And I actually, it was one of those books that always stuck in my head because I always really liked, but I think I read, like, the first three, 
and then you know I kind of grew up, but then recently I came back and realized there was eight. There's a total of eight now, uh, maybe more. He's writing. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I read the first one again, and I was like, I remember this is a, like such a. I so enjoyed reading the book. Yeah, I'm interested to read it because it was one of those books I've heard about forever and just just never picked up. Like I don't really know what it's about, but it's never intrigued me enough to find out. But now I will. All right, that's it for episode two. We will see you in the near future for episode three. So until next time, happy happy reading. reading.